feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by a parking meter, when I caught a glimpse and of And now there are two, and we are literally... Hours away from the all-important New Hampshire primary. And what makes this amazing, and I always love this moment, and it happens during the, obviously, on Election Day, too. But Dixville Notch, which is this small little township in New Hampshire, gets the right to do their primary before everybody else in the country. Of course, this is the first primary. Iowa was a caucus. So this is a different situation. It's almost like Election Day. And so Dixville Notch, which has a population, depending anywhere from four to six people at the most, half a dozen at the most, cast their votes usually at midnight Eastern time. And those sometimes are a barometer of where it's going to go in the primary. Not always, because, of course, it's not a big swath of the population. But technically, that starts the New Hampshire primary, which could be the beginning of the end of Nikki Haley's race. Now, big news over the weekend. I was not surprised that Ron DeSantis dropped out of the race. Uh, I thought it was just sort of a question of timing. And I think also the same thing with Nikki Haley, barring some unbelievable moment that happens today. Because if she gets creamed in New Hampshire or doesn't do very well in a second place in New Hampshire, all the polls are showing Trump so far ahead. But then she goes on to her home state of South Carolina. And if she gets really, really squashed there, that just looks so bad. And then it's on to Super Tuesday. So I don't see her dropping out short term just because of money unless it's so bad overnight. And unless tomorrow we hear by this time uh, that she has been beaten handily in a number two spot. Maybe then she'll say, you know, maybe uh, donors are going to say, forget about it. Or she says, well, let's just at least try to go for Super Tuesday and just sort of see what happens. But either way, with DeSantis dropping out yesterday, that was an enormous change in the presidential race. And boy, did that change the dynamics. Because most of DeSantis's voters, I firmly believe, are going to go towards Trump. The big question is, what's going to happen with all those independent voters? There's about 39% of the voters in New Hampshire, which is why it's a whole different ballgame than Iowa, that are technically undeclared. And those undeclared voters have a habit, if you say believe that they're not a Democrat, not a Republican, that they are really truly undeclared. Sometimes people kind of play these games. But if they truly are independent, not really sure which side they're on, if that's indeed the case, well, you could make the case maybe some of them and maybe more of them would go to Nikki Haley. So maybe there is some sort of surprise tomorrow night. We'll find out. I'm not sure if there's going to be some surprise or not. Uh, I hope so, because it sure makes it always really, really exciting. But I'm not surprised that 
DeSantis dropped out. I think it was just a matter of time. I don't think he was connecting with people. He didn't have this personality. He didn't have this moment where people were felt just really, really connected to him and really, really like handily attached to him. He just wasn't like like an everyman. And here he had a great story. I mean, he's a military guy. He's a great story as a governor. And what he needed to do was come across a lot more, I think, approachable. I go back to even the Al Gore, George W. Bush days. And I'll never forget, you'd see Al Gore. And Al Gore, who, quite frankly, I met him when I was covering the White House. He was a likable guy. But he was just really wooden and really stiff. And he couldn't connect with voters. And that's clearly, I think, what happened with Ron DeSantis over the weekend. I just think... He realized he's looking at the polls. He spent all this money in Iowa, so much money with advertising, tens of millions of dollars. And all of his donors were like, huh, what are we getting back in return? We're getting back a really dismal third um, that looked like uh, was going to happen in New Hampshire, like a really bad third. Like he was polling at like 6% in the latest polls. So people are going, well, why should we actually kind of go and support this guy? There wasn't a reason. So he is out. But now Nikki Haley is saying it is a two-person race. And as she said over the weekend, it's one guy and one gal. So where do you see this headed, guys? Do you think Nikki Haley has a chance to pull some sort of a miracle tomorrow night in New Hampshire and put some sort of a lifeline into her race because it really is crunch time between that and then there's the Nevada, then of South Carolina, then you got Super Tuesday. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Were you surprised that DeSantis dropped out so quickly? Um, I'm not surprised he dropped out. I was surprised he did it before New Hampshire because he said he's putting all his basket, you know, basically into South Carolina. But it still was an interesting moment when that happened. It was still very, very surprising. And it'll be interesting to see what he does now because maybe he'll end up somehow in the Trump White House. Maybe there'll be some moment of kumbaya. I don't know. Maybe he'll end up on the ticket. I personally think Trump needs a woman, I think, or an African-American. I think that that would help his ticket. Uh, We were talking with Bill O'Reilly earlier tonight on Cats and Cosby, and Bill O'Reilly was saying that he thinks Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, would be a great choice. Who would you like to see on a potential VP ticket if everything is full steam ahead with Trump And also, if he needs maybe a woman or maybe somebody to approach the suburban women seems to be the category, independence. Do you think maybe he and Nikki Haley could have a kumbaya? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Trump, because right now when I say a kumbaya, it is downright ugly between him and Nikki Haley. They are throwing barbs left and right uh, because she needs to certainly win right now. I mean, right now, this is like do or die. So she's pulling out all the stops. He's pulling out all the stops, and they're both trashing each other. Listen to what President Trump had to say just a little bit ago about anybody who votes for Nikki Haley. He says it's a waste. 
Wait till you see what happens. We're going to win this election. We're going to have a great border. We're going to have more energy than you've ever had. And we're never going back. So if you want a losing candidate who puts America last, vote for Nikki Haley. But if you want a president who puts America first and did it successfully for four years, you know, I'm the only... Did you ever read the stat that I'm the first president that didn't go into and start a war? I finished some wars, like with ISIS. And remember when I was running against, uh, and I don't use that nickname anymore because I gave it to Biden, Hillary. Beautiful, beautiful Hillary. Remember when? And she got up and she said, with his personality, we'll be starting wars. No, no. I finished wars. I took our people out. Surprising. And he's correct. Uh, He was finishing wars. And boy, is the world a very dangerous, messy place right now. And that's why I think so many people are saying, you know what? I'll take a mean tweet over a mean terrorist. But here is Nikki Haley, because she is not also holding back now that it's do or die for her, especially if you look at her race. And here is what she said to a reporter in New Hampshire as to why she says she's running now. We've heard you over and over uh, in recent weeks on the campaign trail lumping Donald Trump and Joe Biden together. Do you believe that they are equally bad It's not even what I believe. It's what Americans believe. What do you believe? Because you're the one who's saying that. I worry about the fact that they are so focused on investigations and things that they don't like and focused on the past. When do you ever hear either one of them talk about the solutions of the future? I'm doing this because I don't want my kids to live like this. We have got to start looking forward. You've got a country in disarray. You've got a world on fire. And you're going to focus on people who hurt your feelings. You're going to focus on investigations that are involved with your families. You're going to focus on vengeance. With me, it's no drama. It's no vendettas. It's just hard work. And it's making sure we're not thinking four and eight years. We're thinking 20 and 30 years out. That's what it should be. And we've lost that. We lost that a long time ago. But we can get it back. And I'm going to prove every day to every American that they made the right decision when I get elected. You don't want to go there on whether or not they're equally bad? I mean, if they were, if either one of them was good, I wouldn't be running. Yes, they are equally bad. That's why I'm running. It's because I don't think we need to have Biden or Trump. I don't think we need to have two 80-year-olds sitting in the White House when we've basically got to make sure that we can handle the war situation that that we're in. We need to know they're at the top of their game. We need to know that they can take care of our national security and our economy. Right now, I don't know that people feel like that with either one. So that's why we're giving them a choice. Now, Nikki Haley, to say they're equally bad, give me a break. Remember also, she was the U.N. ambassador underneath President Trump. So she knows him well. She loved him then. She said the economy was soaring then. And now, of course, because it is crunch time and she's got to differentiate herself from him, she's saying we don't want any 80-year-olds. And boy, is there a difference between the mental acuity of President Trump and President Biden. President Biden last week is like, oh, where's Deborah? Where's Deborah? Where is she? It was one of those where's Jackie moments, remember, that he said years earlier. But Nikki Haley has to do something to distinguish herself because it is really right now. uh, She's got to do something amazing or a number of big money donors are already saying, if you don't like have fireworks and do something spectacular, well, guess what? So here is Nikki Haley also saying 
that President Trump can't get complacent, that she's a harder worker and he shouldn't just automatically be assumed to be the nominee. Listen to this one. We started with 13 people. Um, I had 2% in the polls. We finished Iowa with 20%. We want to be stronger in New Hampshire, and we want to be even stronger than that in South Carolina. I mean, keep in mind, I know the political class wants to say that this race is over. And I know the political class is saying everybody needs to get behind Trump. This is not a coronation. Well, and the Trump people say that she is part of the whole political elite. And boy, even Ron DeSantis, when he left the race, he said, you know what? Uh, there are sort of two different types of Republicans right now. There are the Republicans of the common man, like me and Donald Trump, because he endorsed Trump right away. That was interesting. And then there's these sort of corporate political elites like Nikki Haley. So there's clearly no love loss there. And it's interesting. And it's true. Uh, there really are two different parts of the Republican Party. And that's why they both sort of embody it. But for Nikki Haley to say, well, I'm a Tea Party governor. I'm a this. I'm a that. But then she is taking money from people like Reed Hoffman, uh, LinkedIn, former LinkedIn guy, big money guy, big Democrat. So and that's who is pushing her right now. But that will help her, I think, with independence and those, quote, undeclared that we talked about in New Hampshire. So where is all of this going, guys? 1-800-848-9222. We'll take your calls when we come back here on The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And President Trump and Nikki Haley are going mono and mono, definitely throwing barbs as it is crunch time down to the wire with the New Hampshire primary now. Just a little bit away. Uh, this, I think, is going to be an enormous test for Nikki Haley. And I think the expectations have been lowered. We were talking earlier last week with Chris Sununu, who is the governor of New Hampshire. And before he was like, oh, she's going to win New Hampshire. Now he's lowering expectations, saying she just has to do a decent second. So clearly they have seen the polls that we are all seeing And in most polls, President Trump is ahead anywhere from like 13 to 17 points over Nikki Haley between one and two in New Hampshire. And again, that should be a great state for Nikki Haley. But will the polls be right? They were pretty close. Remember, in Iowa, they were almost spot on. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al in Yonkers. Al, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, hello, Rita. You know, Rita, I think tomorrow night, uh, New Hampshire, uh, you know, the former president, I think is going to have a, a decisive win. I mean, I think uh, he'll at least win by 10%. I think he's going to do better than that. I mean, my gut tells me he's going to yeah. do, I think he's, you know, if you look at even now, uh, some of the polls have it even bigger. But even if it's, even if it's decent, that actually would be incredible. Because as I was yeah. saying, it's an open primary. 
You know, so yeah. so a lot of these undeclared, and they're working those undeclared, the Nikki Haley people, trying to get them to go in and vote for her. So if he can do right. well, it's a very different state than Iowa yeah. is. I think it's it's a if he if you can do great in Iowa and then you do great in New Hampshire, and of course the next you know then you're doing Nevada where he's going to do well. He's going to yes, do great in South Carolina. The South is definitely Trump territory. So that that to me. I think I think it's almost game over if he does really well tomorrow night. Your thoughts, Al? I agree. I mean, if if, if Nikki Haley has a chance to win anywhere, uh, when you look at the primary states, it would have to be New Hampshire. But uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, the president is going to beat her tomorrow, the former president. And like you touched on, uh, as he moves forward to Nevada, the South, that is uh, Trump country. So she has to win tomorrow night uh, or her campaign is is over. Yeah, I think so, too. Al, thank you very much. Let's go to BJ, line five. BJ, what do you think? Yeah, uh, shocked at DeSantis uh, uh, getting out soon, but he overplayed his hand. Um, so that didn't that that caught up with them. Nikki is never Nikki is nasty. Nikki, she um, she's terrible. I mean, uh, uh, she has a thing against men that comes right through. That's such a put off. And uh, she just is awful. She's uh, Bush 43 with a wig on. I mean, she <laughs> she really is. She all of this is old, warmed over Bush stuff. Uh, she's in bed with uh, all of these arms merchants. She's uh, uh, with $34 trillion in debt. She's all for giving away the money. And she's making old people jokes. Yeah, and there's been some of her comments in the past about, like, Social Security and Medicare. And I don't like the fact that some of these huge Democratic donors that are very, like, near Soros level uh, are backing her. That, to me, is really unsettling. Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And this Back the Blue segment is sponsored by GoyaCares.com because you are a precious gift from God. And this is such a powerful story coming from Sparta, New Jersey where the police chief, Jeffrey McCarrick, said, as the chief, I am very proud of my officers taking a call to action with using their training and teamwork to help bring a beautiful little girl, Millie, into this world. Well, baby Millie was born last Monday night in her parents' parked car at the start of a wicked New Jersey snowstorm with a key assist from Sparta Police Officer Christopher Botta and several others on the shoulder of Route 15. Officer Botta was on patrol just before 9 o'clock last Monday when he responded to a call from the vehicle on Route 15 South in Sparta in Sussex County in New Jersey. Officer Botta observed the baby's head crowning and proceeded to ensure that the umbilical cord was not wrapped around the baby's neck. After confirming everything appeared normal, seconds later, the mom delivered the baby girl right into Officer Bada's hands. The baby began crying and appeared to be in very good health. 
Additional patrols then arrived on the scene and assisted with monitoring the baby and the mom until the first aid squad arrived. Now, the police said due to the cold and very snowy conditions, Millie and mom were wrapped in blankets to ensure everyone stayed warm. Soon afterwards, they were ultimately transported to Morristown Medical Center. Now, the chief of police praised Officer Bada and the three other officers who responded for, quote, their quick actions, their compassion, their professionalism, and protection from bad weather conditions and highway traffic, making this an unforgettable birth. What a great, great story. And boy, I can't wait till Millie grows up. Hey, where were you born? I was born in a car on Route 15. Uh, It's a great story and how beautiful that the officers were there in mom's time of need and certainly Millie's time of need as well. And apparently baby and mom are said to be doing okay, thanks to the great work from our men and women in blue. Well, we are talking about President Trump and, boy, all these changes that have happened in just the last week or two in the presidential race. You know, we had Doug Burgum, the former North Dakota governor who was running against Trump, endorsing Trump. We had Tim Scott, South Carolina senator, who was running against President Trump, now endorsing President Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out after Iowa. Now he's endorsing Trump. DeSantis, of course, just recently dropping out. And now he is endorsing President Trump. And here's the announcement that took everyone uh, by surprise that it happened so quickly. Here's what he said online when he endorsed Trump and he blasted Nikki Haley. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. So is it corporatism over the everyman? That is the race that now DeSantis, Tim Scott, and others vis-a-vis with President Trump are lodging against Haley on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. And soon after Trump got the word that DeSantis was leaving the race, he said, you know what, I I guess I got to retire a certain phrase. Okay. He just said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. (laughs) So he is retiring the phrase DeSanctimonious. He also said that he believes that DeSantis did a great race that it was just hard for him. I think it never was DeSantis's time. And I also think Trump's phrase when he got out there and said that DeSantis was disloyal. 
He used that phrase over and over again, saying DeSantis is disloyal. He also said that Nikki Haley is disloyal, that both of these people wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't for me, especially DeSantis. You could certainly make that case because DeSantis would have lost his first governor's race if it wasn't for Trump backing him at that moment. And he said, you know, if people just don't like disloyalty. They feel like this wasn't his time. There's unfinished business with Trump. That seems to be what a lot of the people in the polls are saying. And we are hearing that over and over and over again. And that is a very, very powerful argument to make. Also, if you look at some of the numbers, DeSantis didn't have that much, obviously, again, in the New Hampshire primary. Some of the latest numbers are showing. There's one here. This is a Boston Globe poll. It's a Suffolk University. 55% for Trump, 36% for Haley, 6% for DeSantis. But if, say, even six or even five of the six or four of the six go to Trump, uh, that is still a huge Huge margin. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Alex in Brooklyn. Alex, your thoughts? Hey, Rita. Thanks for taking the call. So I'm very happy that Trump, you know, took in DeSantis and it's not his personality and this kind of thing to do when he gets into a fight with someone. It's really hard to get good back on his good side, especially when this fight went on for so long. Um, and, but I think it's important for, for because he's going to have a challenging general election season coming up, and he's going to need all the support from all the Republican voters because the Democratic voters really hate President Donald Trump. And I think that the fact that he didn't do any Republican primary debates really helped him out in, in terms of being able to after the candidates drop out, get them on his side, because Donald Trump is a vicious debater, and if he would have debated face-to-face with Ron DeSantis, or even with Rebecca Ramaswamy, who was a big fan of his, he would have so insulted these candidates that they would feel, you know, personal hatred against him, kind of like what you're seeing with Ron DeSantis against Nikki Haley. There's something personal there because of the debates they had and the kind of names they called each other. And I think the fact that he didn't debate is helping him now um, in, in terms of getting people on his side. And I, if I could also just quickly make a comment about the, what's going on in the Democratic side of the yeah, aisle. Yeah, yeah. By, by um, the way, before yep. you move on, I think you just made a great point, Alex, too, about the fact that you're right, because it gets very personal when you're out there on the yep. stage and everybody's watching and you throw a barb and you and, you know, you got to respond to that barb for your own safety and your yep. own, uh, you know, self-confidence, if you will. The world's watching you. And you're right. He didn't kind of allow that moment to happen. And mm-hmm. they also, first of all, he didn't need to. Um, and in fact, he right. told us when he did the interview with me and John Katzmatidis, that's when he famously mm-hmm. said, no, I don't need to debate, you know, and I, and I actually look, it was obviously clearly a smart move. People know who he is. It's not like he needed right. to, to reintroduce himself to the world. People know who he is, know what he accomplished. Um, so I agree with you and you're right. It didn't allow that like moment for really right. personal. Uh, it kind of kept everybody at arm's length. But and now now yep. tell me what you think on the Democratic front. Yeah. So now you got Joe Biden, 70 percent of Democrats don't want him to be the nominee and he's not in New Hampshire. But I think that I, I, I totally don't believe it's going to be Joe Biden who's the nominee because in the polls, you see Trump is going to beat him um, even if only by two points. If he beats him. They, they're going to replace him with somebody else. And I think somebody's coming out of the woods, and that is John Fetterman. Um, if you saw, he he's kind of trying to be more moderate, and he's coming out against the 
how the border is open against Joe Biden, which I think is all phony and baloney. But the fact that he's coming out against the Biden administration tells me very possibly that what's going on over here is that the handlers of Joe Biden are saying we need somebody new that has doesn't have this terrible record that could maybe beat President Trump because he didn't destroy the country like Joe Biden. John Fetterman didn't as bad as a person he is. And they could control John Fetterman because he also has pretty much the same cognitive issues that Joe Biden has. And I'm thinking I'm not positive about this, but maybe the reason why he's coming out now and going after the Biden administration is because he's setting himself up for a run and the handlers are allowing him to run against Joe Biden. That's an interesting point. You know what, Um, Alex, first off. Uh, I agree with you on the cognitive front. I mean, he almost yeah. makes he almost makes um, you know uh, Biden look like William Shakespeare. I mean, remember that yep. debate? Especially with the dressing. <laughs> oh my God, with the dressing too. Can you imagine yeah. if he like if he if he were to like run or win or oh my God? I mean, it's like <laughs> it's bad enough in Congress that he dresses that way. Let alone you know if he was in the Oval Office. Oh my gosh, you'd wear a hoodie in the Oval Office. I think there's something so <laughs> disrespectful. But uh, but yeah. but you know, Alex, I think you actually might be hitting something really interesting because suddenly um, John Fetterman seems to be like the voice of reason in the Democratic Party. He's been the right. one who's been coming out and supporting Israel big time. Remember when the protesters showed up in the Capitol and he was mm-hmm. like like all the like everybody was sort of afraid to take them on. Fetterman walked by with the big Israeli flag. I mean, he's got pretty uh, pretty gutsy. And then just recently, he said, yeah, the border's a problem. The border's a major issue. I mean, he's actually been more stalwart to his credit. I never thought I'd be praising John Fetterman, but he seems to be uh, like almost the lone wolf, you know, voice of reason in the party right now. And maybe that's what this is all about. They're like, we'll have a younger, uh, mental, uh, mentally disabled Biden. You know, maybe that's what this is. Boy, are we yep. in trouble about that. Would can you what do you think? Do you think Democrats would vote for him? I mean, I think if you look at the polls and Joe, Donald Trump is only against Joe Biden up with two points. Um, and I can understand it's because the hatred the Democratic voters have against President Trump um, and, and Joe Biden destroyed the country. John Fetterman, who's a big mess of a person. But the fact is, he didn't destroy the country and Democrats hate President Trump. I think that if they could play the same basement strategy they played with Joe Biden and they'll fake it out, just like Joe Biden was officially the unifier here. John Fetterman is so-called going to be the voice of reason. And they're going to play that game during the election. And they'll say things will be different under John Fetterman. And we're not going to have the threat of Donald Trump. We're not going to have the disastrous administration of Joe Biden. I'm scared about them being able to follow through with this. And that's why I didn't, I'd love Trump. I didn't want him to be the nominee just because of the risk factor of him losing the general election when they put somebody else, even someone like John Fetterman, up against him in the general election. By by the way, Alex, that would be a very funny debate. Can you imagine that debate? What that would be like if it turns out to be – every time I think of uh, Fetterman, I think of his famous – remember he opened the debate and and obviously he had just gone through the stroke. But it was so painful. It was like, hello, good night. Uh, You know, I mean, can you imagine him and Trump? Trump would be like – I mean, I don't know how you debate someone. Somebody like that. Yep. You know, Trump would like, say, go to mommy. Trump right. would say, go to mommy. Right. And then Trump comes out in a nice suit and a nice tie and Fetterman's got his hoodie on and his, you know, oh my, that would definitely be one for the record books. That would give Saturday Night Live material for years upon years. Uh, but you might be right because suddenly he's emerging as this like voice out there. It's pretty interesting. Alex, thank you very much. Let's go to Trisha on line four. Trisha, your thoughts. Yes, you were talking about um, a possible woman or black 
person for VP for Trump? Yep. Well, I have someone to suggest that fits both of those uh, as who? well yeah, as who? being... She is Dr. Carol Swain. She is the woman who yep. was plagiarized by Claudine Gay, the Harvard disgraced, uh, unqualified president. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing maybe you don't know too I, much about. Actually, I know Carol. I have interviewed Carol. Oh. Um, she's with uh, the Independent Women's Forum, right, I believe. Um, yes. And, and she's, no, she's great. She's a brilliant woman and sort of feels like she was passed over. And it turned out, just like you said, uh, that Claudine Gay, the former president there of Harvard, um, that she, like, used her material. And and she's, Carol, so articulate. She's yes. fabulous. I've, I've met her in person. I've interviewed her. Uh, actually, you, that's an interesting choice. That's a really Rita, interesting point. Have you point. watched her video on PragerU, The yep. Inconvenient Truth yeah. About the Democratic Party, where she outlines how the Democratic Party defended slavery, started the Ku Klux Klan, opposed Reconstruction, and under um, most Democrats, until Lyndon Johnson was dragged, kipping and, kicking and screaming, they opposed Civil Rights Act. And Carol Swain, in addition, she she was a former Democrat. She has a book out, um, Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. She's a distinguished senior fellow for constitutional studies for Texas Public Policy Foundation. Um, she was co-chair of President Trump's 1776 commission, which Yeah, was- no, no, I hear you. By the way, Tricia, she certainly has a long and prestigious resume. There is no doubt. I actually, I think you actually hit something interesting, too, because it would spotlight uh, all the problems going on in education and all the stuff with Harvard and all the issues that we have seen in these horrible protests and the DEI and all that other stuff. Um, and a lot of people have been struggling to find sort of an African-American woman who would sort of fit the mold, who could bring in maybe suburban women to as well. Uh, you know, I, I love also, you know, I know obviously Condi Rice. She would not want it. She's a she's now, a, you know, head of school there on the West Coast. Uh, not the right fit for Trump, clearly, either. Um, but I could see Carol Swain actually being an interesting fit. That's a, that's a great idea, Trisha. I'm going to throw that out there too as I'm talking because with her, I also like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, on the other flip side, not a woman, but obviously like a Tim Scott is an interesting guy, very optimistic, positive message. There's a lot of interesting choices out there, but we're going to throw Carol Swain into the mix too. You have convinced me, Trisha. Thanks so much. 1-800-848 Nine two two two, and you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, some people are thinking John Fetterman might be gearing up to run somehow instead of Biden. Uh, That's one for the record books because, boy, he's all over the place, even though he has been really good, though. I'll say he just came out and said there's a problem with, obviously, the borders. He's also been supporting of Israel. 
Um, but listen to what most Americans think about Biden and his mental fitness. It is no surprise that he tanks in every single poll. Listen to this ABC News report talking about a poll on Biden's mental acuity. A recent poll with Ipsos found 69 percent of those polled do not think the president has the mental sharpness to be president. That is up from 43 percent in May of 2020. Uh, that's not good. So it was 43 and now it's 69 percent. I want to know who the 31 percent who think he is sharp as a tack, that he has the mental acuity. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, or actually, let's go to Charlie if we can on line two. Actually, we're working our phones, right? OK, we got a couple phone stuff. We're going to work at you guys as we're figuring this out. But. In the middle of all this, can you imagine, can you imagine if suddenly John Fetterman says, you know, I'm taking over for Biden. You know, it's bad news if John Fetterman uh, becomes the mental voice ahead of Joe Boy- uh, Joe Biden, that he looks like the spry chicken and the sharper one of the group. That is definitely one for the record books. That is for sure. So let's go if we can. We've got which line can we go to? Okay, let's go to Sandra. Sandra, are you there? I'm here. All right, Sandra. Sorry, we're having a couple gremlins on the phones tonight. But go ahead, Sandra. I'm glad we got you. Go ahead, Sandra. Thank you, Rita. So I wanted to say I know that Trump wants someone who can handle the big job if necessary. I think Carrie Lake. I think she even said herself she would be best suited to stay in the Senate and help, you know, through Congress to get things passed. So forget her for, for the job. I, I think as much as I like Elise Stefanik, my heart is with uh, Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders I, I, because she was a very tough press secretary. She is so loyal to Donald Trump. The father is loyal. She's a governor now. And she banned some books in her state, and she's done some pretty good things in a very short time. I think loyalty, I think Trump needs someone he could truly trust. And I do believe it should be her if he decides to go with a woman. You know, I think, Sandra, I actually really like her, too. I think she's also, and I've known Sarah for a long time. I've known her husband, her father for a long time, I should say. Both of them, such great people. I just think she's a nice person, too. But you're right. She's a steady voice, and she has been absolutely loyal. She's also a fighter, because Trump is going to need a fighter this go-round.